More than 4,700 businesses have benefited from the Comcast Rise program. One year ago, Rise was created with the commitment to supporting underrepresented businesses across the country. And we're just getting started. Keep rising. Welcome to Sisters Inc., our podcast for and about women business owners, brought to you by Black Enterprise. I'm your host, Elisa Gumbs. Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America. And on every episode of Sisters Inc., we'll sit down with one successful CEO and share how she slays the challenges of being a Black woman in business. Today's episode is all about creating opportunities for Black businesses. We're chatting with Dr. Lakeisha Hallman, the founder of The Village Market, which has made a $6.3 million impact in the city of Atlanta through seasonal marketplaces, brick and mortar and online retail, and campaigns promoting Black-owned brands. Welcome to Sisters Day, Lakeisha, and thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thanks for doing this work as well. So I'm super excited to jump into the conversation today. Before we get into the village market, I always love to hear how it is that people came to do what they're doing. So tell us about your background and how you came to be so passionate about Black business. Sure thing. I'll, I'll try to give you my short answer. <laughs> uh, but I, I come from the world of, of education. And so I spent over 13 years teaching five of those in the Mississippi Delta. And so though it wasn't economic development work, it was heart-centered community work that I was highly focused on making sure that my students really understood the life around them, the life outside of them, and what they can aspire for. Um, and I, I wanted my classroom to be a safe space, a, a hodgepodge for ideas, creativity, innovation. But what's, what was surrounding many of the school districts that I had an opportunity to teach or be in leadership was a great deal of poverty. And so looking at the nagging pro uh, poverty in those communities really made me start to think about the economics and how are some communities, how do, how is the lifespan of a child born in poverty and stay in poverty? How is that possible? Um, so in 2016, 2015, I finished my dissertation and immediately after started looking at economic development. And, and, and asking myself those hard questions. What does it really take for a Black business to have upward mobility or a Black person to have upward mobility? What does it take for a young child that grows, grows up in poverty to leave that? And a lot of my research led me back to creating businesses, small businesses, entrepreneurs. And, and the great thing about timing Entrepreneurship was cool in 2016 and 2015. So I was on to something, um, especially in a black tech space. And, and I was like, oh, I believe, I believe I'm on to something. So I say that I made this transition from education in a, in a formal sense, but I, my classroom only got broader. I'm able to talk about all the things I talked about as a teacher and be radical in, in my approach. But at the same time, now I get to help businesses scale and really define a community. And for me, the experience that a young person has in their community. 
We here at Black Enterprise like to think entrepreneurship is always cool, but you're absolutely right. There are some times when it is really trending um, and it has people's attention. And um, it's amazing that you were able to capitalize on that. So what specifically, out of all the ways that you could have chosen to support Black businesses or to do this work to eradicate poverty in our communities, led you to found the Village Market um, in 2016? I was uh, attending a quite deal of festivals in the city of Atlanta, marketplaces, if that's your thing. I'm a marketplace lover. Um, and so a lot of my Sundays are spent buying stuff I don't need <laughs> and some stuff I do need for the week. Um, but even in a city as special as Atlanta, and I, I personally think I live in the most special city in the country, um, big festivals were void of Black makers and artisans. And the researcher in me, the person who loves to agitate a system, I found that to be extremely problematic, that thousands of people um, were attending festivals, the big festivals in the city, and only three or four of those makers were Black. Um, and I did something about it. I'd never uh, been a vendor. I'd never booked a, a big space before. I hadn't done any of that. Um, I, I took a big leap of faith and told people in, in 90 days, I'm going to create this big market that's for Black people. And that the responsibility for the community was to show up and spend and circulate the dollar. And for the businesses, I, I share with them that the responsibility is to be able to operate in a full and full excellence. So there's no excuses when people come to the market that they only window shop. Yeah, we're going to get back to those two responsibilities in a second, but you just said you had no experience and you told everybody in 90 days, I'm going to make it happen. Um, so what was that learning curve like for you? Because I think there are a lot of people out there who have a great idea, they see a need, but they have no idea how to get started. Yeah, um, the learning curve was all of it. I didn't have experience. <laughs> I didn't have experience doing anything that I was doing other than I had experience with passion, though. Um, passion has opened many doors for me and I work extremely hard um, and I'm a, and, and I'm a very sincere learner as well. And so I what what I did in that 90 days, I had to learn fast. I went to other markets. Um, I studied other cities that had great markets. I looked at Philadelphia. I thought they had a really good model. Um, and then I had to educate myself on, you know, getting buildings, getting permits, uh, getting businesses to participate. And then um, I, I can't tell you how many YouTube classes I took for marketing because people needed to come. Um, and I spent a lot of time studying, you know, how do you market? What did the McDonald's of the world do? What did the Chick-fil-A's of the world do uh, to get people to entice them to do something differently? Um, so I, I'm a quick study, uh, and and I think it's that that humble confidence as well. I knew, though, I had no idea what I was doing. I was so clear uh, about the vision uh, that I believe was downloaded to my spirit to create the village market. I knew without any, I knew that the only thing I needed to do was keep moving forward. But of course, I had all the stress. Uh, as as entrepreneurs, I had some intimidation here and there of like, oh, I really hope I can do this. And more importantly, I really hope people come out and shop and that, that it was clear. Another big thing for me was that it was clear that the community knew 
that this wasn't just a pop-up. This wasn't just an opportunity to come do a cool thing, that this was economic development in action. Uh, it was just cool. You get to come and you get to be cute. But every time you swipe, you are enacting change. Two of the things that are central to the philosophy of the village market are cooperative economics and circulating dollars within the Black community. Can you talk about the importance of both of those things? Yeah, I think every wise person knows that if you want to have something that you build strong, then you look at what was built before. And so our people, the Black community, is built on cooperative economics. Um, and it's not always in the textbooks of things that we're just learning about Tulsa. Um, there are many Black incorporated towns uh, and cities across this country that experience upward mobility. And they experienced it because they decided to use the best of their goods and put it in a pot together. And everyone stayed in their individual lane, but working towards the same goal. I, I haven't created something that wasn't done. I look back and said, well, how can I bring this in a 21st century way to make us start talking about group economics, cooperative economics again? And I know for sure it works. I have a model that is, is successful at working, but I had a model in models before that said that the only thing that I had to do was be clear and make sure that business owners and the community understands what we are building towards. And what was the second word you said? Um, circulating dollars within the, the community. As you mentioned, you said the community has to understand that that's one of their responsibilities, which, you know, I, I haven't heard many people put it that way, but it's so true. Oh, absolutely. Uh, everything that we aspire for, um, the things that we believe is unachievable in, in our community, if we come together, if we gather intentionally, our wildest dreams can be actualized. Um, but if we also want to experience a different life in this lifetime, not waiting, not casting out from 100 years from now, it's going to take us to put our money and our resources together to experience that. That's being opening schools, um, opening, buying land and creating our own communities. These things can happen right now. But it's going to take some intentional people to put their money selflessly in a pot and really um, engage in trust to know that we can have a, a different experience than what, what we are experiencing. And, and, I, and I think, you know, the, the thing is, it's also important to meet people where they are. It's important to tell people, like, I know that we have money, we have trust with money, that we have trust, with, we have trust issues with each other. I don't lead um, as if this space is utopian. I lead from this space that I, I understand how we got to where we are but let's look at where we've been and so, so we can know that it's very much so possible. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's very true that we, we do have trust issues with money and we do have trust issues with each other and um, it, it isn't part of our current culture to think, you know, let me grind, grind, grind and build this thing together. It's like, let me grind, grind, grind and get ahead. So like how... Um, as, as an educator, because I know, as you said, your classroom just expanded, and um, I'm sure you bring that with you. How do you talk to these small business owners, aspiring business owners, and um, you know, really let them know that the, there's a way to do this differently? Well, in order to be a part of the village, it's a requirement. So, I mean, the same way you sign a contract, you know, for other other uh, 
executions, you sign a contract that you're a part of a village. And so a, being a part of a village is not a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is a communal charge. That means if you're in my retail store, you're not just in a retail store. You are in community with 39 other people, with 39 other families. So you're not, your t-shirt or your candle or whatever your product, your vitamins is not solely on a shelf by itself. This, when you talk about this space and you talk about the collective of the space, we're only successful if the person next to you is successful. And um, when I had my big village market events, my festivals itself, before the doors opened, I had the businesses do a toast for each other's upward mobility, for each other's success. And we spoke those words every before the doors opened, before the community got in, we affirmed how amazing the night would be for the person left of you and the person right of you. And it just creates a, a sense of belonging that I think we so desperately need. Uh, need. I think it, it creates, a, it It really reminds us how powerful and magical and beautiful we are when we get together in that mindset. Um, but I don't, I think why it works is because I don't give it, I don't allow it to be an option that it can't work. I know that if you're in the village, you're going to be, you're going to do well. Um, and you can also, I, I, I like the people who, who are very dogmatic, right? That they're rushing to go ahead go ahead, but understand that you're only going ahead to create a path. So there are people who are always sprint at a different pace, but it's um, but you're only sprinting at a different place to create space in a clear path. As someone who provides vending opportunities for local entrepreneurs and artisans, you're intimately acquainted with their needs and their struggles. Um, what are the challenges that Black businesses currently face accessing retail and commercial space? Um, you said what? What are the challenges that, that businesses okay. face trying to access retail space? It, so it, it depends on what city you're in. Uh, but if you want to be in a booming location, my, my retail store, the Village Retail, is at Pond City Market. This is the second highest foot traffic location in the city, I believe second to Lenox Mall. Um, and so what that means, a lot of people come in there and it takes a lot of money for you to open your your business there. Um, and so if you do it in a cooperative model, one person is not opening a retail store, 40 people open a retail store that's serving one need. And so I think financial, uh, there's a financial gap, there's a financial deficit when, when you're trying to be in a mainstream location. And as far as commercial real estate, it's just like real estate across the country, it's just extremely expensive. I own a commercial property with two friends of mine, and I could not have journeyed in, uh, in acquiring a commercial property without them. And we made a decision as three Black women, three Black women who lead companies, that we were going to put our monies together and we were, going to, we were going to acquire our first property. And we have a vision to acquire even more. Um, but it, and I want people to understand that it didn't take a lot of back and forth. We found a building that we like. We sat at uh, a location here in Atlanta for about four hours and talked about our dreams, our ambitions, our boundaries. Um, we talked about things that made us uncomfortable around money, things uncomfortable around partnership. We flushed all that out. And then at the end of that, we took a toast. And by within two weeks, 
we had started the process of acquiring our first commercial property. And so what I want people to understand that everything is not so complicated. Um, if you if you stay in a nuance too long, uh, the transaction won't happen. Have good people around you who you can trust and trust that you all can actually do this thing together. The Village Market also does e-commerce. Uh, of course, you got started with your market and you have brick and mortar retail space. E-commerce is such a huge opportunity for our community, for our small businesses, but um, so many of us still don't really know what to do in the space, how to get into the space. There's this big digital divide. Um, how are you helping entrepreneurs bridge that? Yeah, we have, um, you know, the, the, the cool thing about my model is that we always, we're always learning as we go. And after we learn something, we teach it. And so, um, as you said, I, I had a marketplace that was in person. We were not doing anything online other than our ticket sales. Um, but of course, with the pandemic happening, you, it forces you to level up. And I'm grateful that we had to level up in that way, um, because rather than only having customers in Atlanta or who visiting Atlanta, now we have customers all, all over the country. Um, so we spend a great deal of our curriculum, but this is from my nonprofit, Our Village, you name it. We spend a great deal in, uh, in our incubator, Elevate, focusing on e-commerce, educating around Shopify. We have people from Shopify come out to teach lessons, um, Amazon. Uh, we're not biased in who comes to teach. We want to make sure that businesses actually understand how to be a player in this space. How even if you have a physical location in Atlanta, how do you reach those, those, those customers in South Africa? How do, you, how do you market them in such a way with your Google Analytics? We spend a great deal talking about data, understanding data, making sure our websites are uh, infused with the technology that it needs, and also being able to understand our reports. And so thank goodness for partnerships. Thank goodness for partners like Google, um, who spend a great deal working with the businesses, working with us. Um, but we have a focus on always thinking about the future. If money is being made in the cloud, then Black people need to be in the cloud. And so we want to make sure that the resources are there. Six years in and your numbers are so impressive. The Village reaches small businesses in 38 states and four countries and has facilitated $7.3 million to Black entrepreneurs. Talk to us about your impact and your growth. I'm, I'm so grateful for it. Um, but to be frank with you, there's no other way. Um, I started a company that was going to be successful. I started a company that businesses' lives were going to change. It had to. Um, we have to have these experiences of success. We have to see a, a business grow from single figures to six figures because once that story is told, it ripples and it gives people the inspiration that they can do the exact same thing. The village market is a model of, of tangible impact that we can build villages and it doesn't have to be led by me. Villages can be built in every city and that village can sprawl out and make a huge impact wherever you are. Um, but I'm not pleased with 7.3. I feel like we're just getting started. I feel like we've, we've just scratched the surface at 
the type of impact, especially from land ownership, that I want to, to get into next. We have a partnership underway with the Atlanta Beltline. And so we were able to uh, open six container businesses for Black businesses. And the, the Atlanta Beltline is one of the main corridors, one of the main vessels in the city where people walk. Two million people fre frequent this space annually. And now we have six Black businesses as, as of this summer open and in front of those customers. I want to do more of that. But I'm very grateful um, for the impact because I think it, it, what, what it does is validate the work. And validate is if people are wondering, should they invest in Black businesses? Should they be Black-focused? Um, I'm hoping that they look at the village and they say yes. Um, I have to share some of your best advice with our audience because you are so hands-on with so many businesses. And through the work of the Village Market, you help entrepreneurs go from theory to practice. So what is your best advice specifically for aspiring entrepreneurs on getting started? Yeah, can I quote Nike and just say, and just, just, say just do it? <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Uh, um, seriously, for businesses, if you're in that uh, aspiration space, I want you to know like how important that space is. That's the space of creativity. That's the space that you have the most clearest of your download. Um, so don't neglect that space wanting to get to the next space. It's so special because after that space, you get muddled in the work. So use this time to be creative. Um, write down all your wildest thoughts because that, comes, that becomes your operation plan. Write down the type of leader you want to be because that's going to dictate your HR practices. So what I'm, I'm sharing an aspiration, every thought would be utilized later, if not today. So document, 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 um, and, and inherently believe deeply in your ability. Similarly, you help startups move from sales to success. So for those entrepreneurs who are currently at the vendor level, they're out there doing the pop-ups, the markets, all of that kind of stuff. What's your advice for how they can grow into profitable, sustainable, year-round businesses? Sure thing. Um, for, for businesses that's out in the world vending, doing shows, um, do as many shows as possible, but make sure they're that you have a strategy behind what cities you're, you're visiting, what products you're introducing, how you're retaining your customers. So if there's not a mailing list, make sure you have a mailing list that people can sign up, even if they buy from you or not, or a QR code that they can sign to be a part of your, your mailing list. Um, make sure after those shows and for everyone that made a purchase that you're sending thank yous because you want that customer to turn and become a re repeat customer. And when shows are down and it's off season, please get your e-commerce website because all those customers that you meet from show to show still need a way to shop from you after that show ends. So make sure that there's a mailing list, make sure you send out your thank yous and ensure that you have an e-commerce site. That's great advice. Um, you coined the phrase, support is a verb. What is the meaning behind that? And how is the Village Market Initiative putting it into action? Yeah, I think life is all about action. 
Verbs get me excited. I tell people, are you really, if you're really for black businesses, what is your verb like? If you can open up your bank account at the end of the month and you you haven't you don't have a transaction from a black business, you need to re-up on your verb. If you haven't, if you haven't left a review, because everything is not always transactional, if you haven't left a review, you need to re-up on your verb. If you haven't reposted your favorite Black-owned business, you have to re-up on your verb. But the verb is just accountability. Either we're going to talk about it or we're going to do it. And if there's some doing, there should be some evidence of that doing. And also, support this verb is cute. So I really know the good thing with branding is that it has to be infectious. People um, should be excited to wear it, to say it, to hashtag it. Yes, absolutely. And I was going to ask you as we were wrapping up how Black consumers can be more supportive of Black businesses, but you literally just told them three things. You have to spend, you have to write reviews, you have to repost. Is there anything else you want to say to our audience about the things, the verbs that they're not doing? Absolutely. And you have to be a repeat customer. So come back again. <laughs> That's how we circulate the dollar. Thank you so much, Lakeisha, for sharing your small business success story and for all of the work that you are doing to support Black entrepreneurs and to support wealth creation in Black communities. Everyone out there, please take a look at the company website, thevillagemarket.com. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram at The Village Market ATL. Check out the podcast channel on blackenterprise.com to find Sisters Inc. and other podcasts from Black Enterprise writers, editors, and experts. Be sure to subscribe to Sisters Inc. on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. And if you like what you hear, show us some love by leaving a five-star review or put a sister on by spreading the word. This is Elisa Gums with Sisters Inc. for Black Enterprise. Thank you for listening. My name is Claudia Fitzwater. Project Body was opened with the intention to help every woman to feel good. Right after we opened our doors, COVID shut us down. It was really disheartening. Now with the technology that Comcast Rise provided, we can reach women all around the country and the world. Apply today for a variety of business, marketing, and tech makeovers on us. Keep rising.